Well, this week, the Lord gave me the word to believe God. Believe God. And we have been studying, last, we've been studying actually out of Isaiah 33, 5 and 6. And last week, we, along those lines, we studied Joshua. And we learned that we are meant to occupy our promised land. You know, God has a promised land for every one of you. He knows exactly what his plans are for you. He has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And he has a promised land for every person in here. And it is our job to occupy that land. We have work to do. We have something to do. You see, God has already done everything that needs to be done in order for every person in here to occupy their promised land, the plans and purposes that he has for you. Jesus already prepared the way. Jesus already did everything that he needs to do to destroy every hindrance of the devil against his plans and purposes in your God's plans and purposes in your life. So, actually, I'm going to give you all a little bit of homework. Go through Psalms, okay? And everywhere where it talks about inheriting the land, you see the term land is, is a promise of God, where he has destined you to be, okay? Or where it says he will take you to your desired haven, okay? Everywhere where it says to inherit the land, I want you to go through there and read it. That'll encourage you. So today we're going to talk about how to enforce what Jesus has already done. How to enforce our occupation of the promised land. Because remember, by the blood, if you're a believer, you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. By the blood, you're covered, right? The name of Jesus is above every other name. The name of Jesus is above every opposition to God's plan in your life and in my life, right? So, the windows of heaven are open unto you. You don't sit under a brass heaven. You don't sit under a closed heaven. Go back and get the CDs on that. But anyway, so for this year, the Lord gave us the scripture, Isaiah 33, 5 and 6. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with his justice and righteousness. He will be the sure foundation for your times. He will be your sure foundation. He will be a rich store, a rich store, not a paltry store, not a, oh, I ran out of that today, come back some other time. No, it says he will be a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. And salvation doesn't just mean being born again. Salvation is for every area in your life. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Fear, the fear of the Lord. That means honoring the Lord. That means seeking the presence of God in your life. That's what the fear of the Lord, that's the key. So this is our promise. This is our occupied land, right? One of them, right? I have many lands. I hope you all have many lands. (laughs) 
This is our promise. This is our occupied land. Basically, so to speak, we have crossed over the Jordan. We have crossed over the Jordan. You need to believe that in your heart. He's not keeping you out. You have crossed over the Jordan. So, what we need to do is we need to put on our armor and employ our weapons. And we talked about that a little bit last week, didn't we? In Ephesians 6. We talked about that. I'm going to just summarize that really, really fast. We've crossed over the Jordan, but there is a stand, saints. There is a stand, beloved, that you must take. Just because you've crossed over doesn't mean the devil gave up. Okay? Doesn't mean he'll win, but it doesn't mean that he gave up. Okay? So we put on our armor, we employ our weapons, we load our cannons, go get the CD. We load our cannons with the presence of God. We seek the presence of God in our lives. That's easy. Because his heart is always for you. You know, his heart is to be with you. We stand firm. Ephesians 6, I'm going to run through it really, really fast. It says we stand firm with the belt of truth. What is the belt of truth? That is the word of God. There's only one truth. There's no other truth. It is the word of God. And when things in your life don't line up with the word of God, that's the untruth. That might be a carnal situation here on this life for a little while, but it is not the ultimate truth. It is not the spiritual truth. It is not, if it doesn't line up with the word, it's not what Christ had for you. We are co-heirs with Christ, aren't we? Okay? We're co-heirs with Christ. We understand that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. What does that mean? That means God sees you through the blood. If you're a born-again believer, you've confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God sees you through the blood, period. He sees you through the blood. You have the inheritance of Christ. You are seated with Christ in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing of Christ. Does that sound too strong? It's not too strong. See, everything happens in the spirit realm. Everything happens in the spirit realm before it happens in the carnal. Okay? The, car- the spiritual realm is more real. Get your eyes of faith on, saints. Get your eyes of faith on. The spiritual realm is more real than the material world. All right? We take up the shield of faith. The shield of faith faith. That is what connects you to the supernatural of God. That, your faith, that is what connects you to the supernatural of God. That is what allows you to enter into the divine realm. The divine of God. Okay? That's where we see the possibility and the vision of God. We, we pull the blinders off, so to speak. The scales fall off. And we see things the way that God sees them when we stand on the word in faith. We have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God. What is the word of God? Jesus was the living word of God. Jesus is the living word of God. The word of God is sharp. It is quick. It is active. To the dividing between soul and spirit. It is alive. These are not just words on a piece of paper. 
These are words that have the very breath and life of God in them. Power. Power. You speak the word out of your mouth in faith. Believe you receive it, Mark 11, 23 and 24. Okay? We pray in the Spirit at all times with all kinds of prayers and requests. You see, the Holy Spirit, that's who Jesus sent to be our counselor, our guide here on earth. We pray in the Spirit. Why do we pray in the Spirit? We pray in the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for us in ways that we don't understand. It prays the very will of God into our lives. The perfect knowledge, the perfect understanding of God, the perfect will of God. And we stay alert. Stay alert, saints. Don't think that the enemy gives up. But also don't think that you're not delivered. Okay? You're delivered when you stand on the word. Whatever that is. And just because somebody makes a mistake, they're standing for deliverance. They've been freed from some sort of bondage in their lives. Just because there might be a mistake doesn't mean that you're not delivered. It just means the devil's lying to you. Okay? And we don't believe the lies of the devil. Remember, the, li- the, de- the devil prowls, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But you see, he can't devour you because you have the protection of the blood of Jesus around you, right? That's your promise. The key is that he cannot withstand or oppose and win against the word of God. Can't. Cannot. 1 Peter 5.8 Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He will not devour you when you stand on the word, when you stay in the presence of your God. That's impossible. It is impossible for him to do. Okay? So that's basically Ephesians 6, which we went over last week. I just wanted to lay that as a foundation. But today, we're going to go on in Joshua. We're going to continue in Joshua. And we are going to study how he secured his occupation of the promised land. How he secured it. How he continued to stand in the face of onslaught after onslaught after onslaught. How he continued to stand securely. What we must do is we must remember the promise of God and then we have to stand, right? We have to stand. So in in chapter 1, verse 3, it says, I will give you every place where you set your foot. That is a big, bold, audacious statement. That is a big, bold, audacious statement. It says, I will give you everywhere that you set your feet. If 
he tells me he's going to give me everywhere that I set my feet, I think he's gone before me. I think he's hemmed me in on all sides. Right? I think he goes before me, behind me, to the left, to the right, above and below. I believe that. I will give you every place where you set your foot. And saints, the deal about this is, is we have to see this with the eye of faith. Because had it already happened when Joshua crossed over, he said, I will give you. We have to believe it. We have to believe God. We have to see it with the eye of the Spirit. We have to see it with an eye of faith. We have to believe it when the devil comes against you and says, no, it's really not going to be that way. No, that really wasn't a promise of God. Yes, it is a promise of God, and I believe it, and you're not going to move me off it. End of discussion. So, we have to believe what he says. You know, here's the deal. The territory that you are about to enter, and I'm confessing this over every single one of you, the territory, I'm not confessing the negative, what I'm confessing is you are entering into the territory of God, that God has for you, the promised land, okay? That you have gone over, that you have crossed over, that you are in the promised land. But let me tell you what, once you've crossed that Jordan, you've there's that river, and you've crossed over it. Sometimes things can look pretty intimidating. Things can start coming against you, trying to intimidate you. You know, the, that's what the devil loves to do that, doesn't he? He loves to intimidate you and say, no, it's not true. No, it's not so. You're too weak. You're too small. You're too whatever. Whatever two that you've struggled with in your life, you're too this or you're too that, break it today. Break it today. Don't listen to the devil anymore. Because God didn't create you that way. When you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ our Lord, the very nature of God comes to transform your spirit. You take on the spirit of God. You take on his character. His character. You are not to this or to that anymore. You are not too stupid. You are not too ugly. <laughs> you are not to whatever, whatever that is. His very nature, you are a new creation in Christ. His very nature renews your spirit, and that's how he sees you. Beautiful, lovely, precious in his sight. He holds you in the palm of his hand. He did not create any trash. Didn't do it. Okay? So things can look very intimidating. But guess what? Our God is never intimidated. I don't serve a God who's intimidated. I serve a God who fights for me. I serve a God who says I've already won. I serve a God who is mighty. I serve a God that says every name that is against his name is under my feet. That's the God I serve. He's not intimidated by anything, ever. So don't you be intimidated. Don't be intimidated. Make a mistake, go back to him, repent, move on. Your sins are as far away as the east is from the west. He remembers them no more. You have to remind him. Hallelujah, because he doesn't do that to you. Verse 5, 
no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Oh, my goodness. Is that the word of God? Is it true? Yes. Say it, please. No one will be able to stand against me all the days of my life because I have the promise of God. Be strong and very... First in six, he goes, be strong and courageous. Then what does he say in seven? Be strong and very courageous. If he didn't understand that you were going to have some battles ahead, he wouldn't have to tell us to be strong and very courageous. But where do we get our strength? From him. The scripture says when we are weak, then he is strong. He is strong for us. Right? Okay. So where do we get the courage of God? I want the courage of God. I want the courage of God in my life. That's what I want. Do you want the courage of God? Yeah, you do. Verse 8. Meditate on the word day and night. You see, that's the very next thing he says after he says, be strong and very courageous. He says, meditate on the word day and night and do what it says. You will be prosperous and successful. Meditate on the word day and night. Meditating on the word gives us courage. It gives us strength. It gives us the vision of God. It gives us the ability to say, no, devil, you're trying to tell me it's this way, but I'm going to see it with God's eyes. I'm going to see me with God's eyes. I'm going to see my situation with God's eyes. Okay? Meditate on the word day and night. Do what it says. You will be prosperous and successful. It doesn't say you might be. It says you will be. So how do we engage the courage of God? We believe the word. We believe him. We believe him. Mark eleven twenty three tells us to believe that we receive when we pray. Doesn't it? Okay. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to believe. We're going to take God at his word. And see, he makes the way. He makes the way. He chooses the plan. See, the Holy Spirit, okay, first go back to Isaiah 33, 6. It tells us that he is a rich store of knowledge and, and wisdom to us. So it's not like he's trying to keep his plan from us. Not at all. He sent the Holy Spirit. The, what, what else is the Holy Spirit called? The Holy Spirit is called a spirit of truth. A spirit of truth. Always testifies of Jesus. Always testifies of the word. So that spirit of truth, what else does the scripture say? The scripture says that the spirit of God testifies with our spirit that we are his children. Okay? So his spirit is constantly, once you're born again, it can't help the spirit, the spirit. It testifies with him. And when he speaks something into your life, it resonates, it's true. Because he is the spirit of truth. Okay? So he's always, it's not like he's keeping secrets from us. No, no, no. We serve a good and a kind and a loving God. And he is always pouring out his wisdom 
and we go and we follow his ways, his plan, his way of doing things, not our own ways. His ways are higher than our ways, aren't they, saints? His ways are higher than our ways. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, thank you, Lord, that the heavens are so much higher than the earth, because frankly, if this is all we had to look forward to, it wouldn't be too pleasant. Not too much fun. But thank you. Thank you, Lord, that I have the knowledge, that I have the security, that your ways are above these ways here on earth. This is not all I have to look forward to. And I'm not saying that like in the sweet by and by when we get to heaven. No, 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 no. The scripture says that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This is not something we're waiting for. That's another lie of the devil. Free your mind from that, saints. He has his goodness, his bounty, his healing, his provision, his forgiveness, his shalom, what does shalom mean? It means wholeness in every area, soundness. He has it for us in the here and now. That's a religious thought to think it's just for the old by and by. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let's move on. In Joshua 2, in Joshua 2, uh, there's so much to cover in terms of the scripture today that I'm not going to go like is my typical, you know, my typical pattern to read every single scripture, but there's so much today. So in Joshua 2, the spies were sent into the promised land, right? And what happened? Okay, we're basically we're going to go through and we're going to talk about the supernatural provision of God. And that we believe God before we see. We believe because it's his word. We believe because he's faithful and true. Okay? So in Joshua 2, they send out the spies. The spies go in to the land that still has the enemies of God, the enemies of the Israelites, right? And he sends the spies in, and what happens? The spies are protected by enemy people. Did you ever think about that? They weren't protected by friends. God caused, okay, remember, okay, I'm just going to make this statement again. A person is never your enemy. It's the spirit that motivates the person, okay? So we all know that, right? So when I say enemy, please don't think of a person, all right? Okay? No person is ever your enemy. You can hate a sin, but you must love the person. Okay? If they commit a sin that comes against you and harms your life, you may not hate that person. You can hate the sin. God doesn't like sin. Okay? So when I use the term enemy, please think about what I'm talking about. So anyway, they went in, and there were two, the two spies went in, and they were protected by the enemy. They were hidden. They were hidden away so that when the destroyers came to that house, they couldn't find them. Do you know that's how you are when you're covered in the blood? The enemy cannot find you. The enemy cannot find you. Come on, saints. 
<laughs> Believe with me. Okay? Get the picture. Get the picture. Here's this blood, red, blood of Jesus. Around me. Surrounding me. Protecting me. Hallelujah. The presence of God. Hallelujah. It's gone before me. Because I'm a believer. Okay. In Joshua 3, 6, what did Joshua do? He commanded that the Ark of the Covenant, what's the Ark of the Covenant? <laughs> a symbol of the very presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant went before them. The presence of God. Stay in the presence of God. Get in his word. Pray. Develop a relationship. You know, that's what God's all about is just a relationship with you. That's what he wants. That's what he created you for is to love on you and have a relationship with you. So anyway, they go in. Oh, can, actually, can I go back? I, I do. The Lord just quickened my heart to read this one scripture. Joshua 2.8. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, verse 9, I know, I know, I'm an enemy, and I know, and you know the devil knows too, that's why he fights you so hard all the time. I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in the country are melting in fear because of you. Saints, can you please get this picture in your heads so that when the devil attacks that you are not overwhelmed? How do they see you? Because they know that God is your God. They are melting in fear. The devil is melting in fear. He is this little, tiny, teeny, little, empty little thing that really cannot do anything against the word in your life. Don't give him <coughs> any more power than he has because his power has been stripped. Get an accurate picture of who that enemy really is and you'll never see him any other way than as a defeated foe. He's a defeated foe. Thank you, Lord, for telling me about that scripture. <laughs> so then we go, and the waters of the Jordan, saints, believe the supernatural. Believe, have faith for the divine of God in your life. All this stuff that we're going through in Joshua today, it might, okay, first of all, we call it supernatural. That's kind of a misnomer. It's really God's natural. It's his every day. It's where he lives. It's how he exists. Okay? It's who he is. So the waters of Jordan, they were supernaturally cut off. And then the people, they cross on dry land. Okay, let's think about this. Think about this. It was during flood season. What does the word flood make you think of? 
Do you ever feel like you're in the middle of a flood of the enemy? Do you? You're bleeding for something or you feel or you've gone through something and you feel like, man, here's a flood of the enemy. Yeah, I think everybody's felt that way. But you know what? God gives you dry land. <laughs> God parts those Jordan waters, right? Here, this, this rushing river is just coming, and you're like, whoa, God. And he's like, okay, sweetheart. And he just cuts it off. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I can go across on dry land. We must believe that that is how God operates in our lives. If you don't believe in the supernatural, you don't believe God. And you know how I'm using the term supernatural. That's just because that's a word that we relate to, all right? If you don't believe in the supernatural, you don't believe God. It's really all it comes down to. He silences the presence of the enemy in our lives. He's al- he already has. Right? He took and conquered death, hell, and the grave and was resurrected, seated at the right hand of the Father. We are co-heirs with Jesus. Every spiritual blessing that he died to give us, we are inheritors of that. Thank you, Lord. So that's our... We, we must remain intimate with Jesus. We must remain. We must seek the presence of God in our lives. Okay, so in Jericho 5, I mean Joshua 5, this is where Jericho falls. This is probably what you're all most familiar with, is the fall of Jericho. Chapter 5, verse 13. This is where an angel of the Lord appears to Joshua. And then in verse 15 he says, The place you are standing is holy ground. Think when you're believing for something and you've crossed over the Jordan, you need to revere it as holy. It's holy. Audrey, I think that was Isaiah 29 you said that I asked about last week. 26, 12. You can go read it because it says all that we have accomplished, God has done for us. If he's done it for you, for me, you need to revere it as holy, precious, and you're a treasure in your life. Okay, when the Lord asked me to become pastor of this church, you know what the first thing he said to me was? You're standing on holy ground. You're standing on holy ground. There was a new consecration that took place at that point. And there will never be anything in this church that is a non-ministry related venture. Ever. Hallelujah. Because it's holy ground. This is a temple that he has given us, saints. And we have to appreciate the blessings of God in our lives. We must appreciate the blessings of God in our lives and treat them as holy and not take them for granted. Joshua 6 in verse 2, it says, I have delivered 
Jericho into your hand. You see, we need to see it as done. We need to see the promises of God as done, even before they're done in the carnal realm. Because they're already done in the spirit. They're already done. And we we stand in faith for those things. So when God says it by his word, we have to receive it into our spirit as done by faith. And then what do we have to do? If you back up, it said to do what the word says. Do what the word says. Know the word and do what the word says. Okay, we must follow God's direction. And God's direction is not always logical. It's not what your earthly counselors would necessarily tell you. It's not what your bosses would tell you. It's not necessarily what your friends will tell you. That's why it's so important for you to take counsel of people who are spirit-filled Christians that know the word. Not that God can't give you wisdom from other places, but you need to filter it through the Spirit and see if that is what he wants you to do. Okay? So we have to follow his direction. So what did he tell Joshua to do? He said, okay, for six days, I just want you to march around the city. If he said that to you, if God said that to you, what would you think? I mean, seriously, what would you think? You know, you know what I would think? I would go, God, that's preposterous. That makes absolutely no sense. I'm going to be a sitting duck. Here, this fortified city, who knows how much ammunition they have in that city. This was a warring culture. And you are telling me in plain sight to walk, just march around that city for six days, once a day. Just do this. There's no logic there. It makes no sense at all. You see, but God doesn't work through our minds. God works through our spirit. And oh, wouldn't you love it if every time he spoke, you just listened immediately? Wouldn't you love that? Well, when you don't, don't worry, saints, just go back, take it on back to him. Say, God, I think I might have messed that one up. (laughs) See, we have to trust God, saints. We have to trust God, even when it doesn't make sense. Does forgiveness make sense? You know, what do we think when somebody does us wrong? A lot of people. I'm not saying anybody here at RCC. Of course not. But the natural inclination is vengeance. I'm going to get him back. I'm going to get her back. They're going to see the day they were sorry they did that to me. See, forgiveness doesn't really make sense. But it frees us. It frees us when we can just go to him, you know, and we can let that pain alone and know that he's going to take care of that because he's faithful, true, and just. And he will take care of it in a way that will also allow that other person to be redeemed. 
What about generosity? What about generosity? Does that make sense? No, not really. It's mine. I earned it. You're lazy. You didn't earn it. Why should I give it to you? Has God ever given you anything that you didn't earn? Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, he's given you eternal life. (laughs) With him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So then, on the seventh day, you know, of course, the Ark of the Covenant and the... the, um, the priests are going, oh, that's another thing that really didn't make sense. Because this whole time, it's not like those people up there in that city might just miss you because they're not going to see you because the trumpets were blasting. It's like, look at me. Yeah, It's not like you could be missed, right? So the seventh day, they're just supposed to go out there and then they just walk around it seven times. And then he says, when you hear the trumpet blast, shout. And at that point, the wall had not fallen, saints. Don't you know that it is your shout of praise, your shout of agreement with God, your shout in the word, your shout of thanksgiving that so many times brings that wall down. Brings that wall down. Your shout of praise, your shout of thanks, even when it does not look like it's in your favor, you say, thank you, God. I believe you. You are for me and not against me. You carry me in the palm of my hand. You vanquish my enemies. The blood is surrounding me. You go before me. You hem me in. What's that song? Shout for the victory. Shout for the victory. Shout for the victory before you see it because you've seen it in your eye of faith. You've seen it. You're walking in it because of your eye of faith. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I will shout his praises. I will enter into his courts with praise. It's just like I was telling you before the service started that this week, the Lord, when I was sleeping, I heard the Lord's voice and he gave me Psalm 149. Praise, praise, praise. It's about praise. Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. In Joshua 6, 16, the seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Hallelujah. They had crossed over. They were in their occupied land. Jericho loomed before them, and they followed the plan of God. And the city fell into their hands. Not a shot was fired. In the carnal. God had already done the shooting. (laughs) Hallelujah, Jesus. 
verse 20. When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted, and at the shout of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So every man charged straight in, and they took that city. They took the city, saints. They took the city. They devoted... Did we talk earlier about holy ground? They devoted the city to the Lord. They devoted that gift to the Lord. You want to know one thing? And, uh, you know, I'm always really reticent to use things out of my personal life because I never want anyone to think that I'm being prideful or arrogant. But see, it's not me being prideful or arrogant. It's because the Lord teaches. Okay, the Lord teaches. So anyway, one thing we always did in our family, if the kids would ever receive a gift, they had to give it right back to the Lord. You receive something, no matter how big, how small, we would pray over that. Every gift, every gift. And we'd say, Lord, I know this came from you. Now I put it back into your hands. Help me to be a good steward of what you have given me. See, so every gift is holy unto him. It all comes from him. And we need to have hearts of thanksgiving. Hallelujah. And the Lord destroyed, destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, every point of enemy. Hallelujah. So what are the keys here? They shouted before they had it. They believed before they got it. We stand and we believe and we pray before we see the answer. Okay? They devoted the land to God and put to death the enemy. They devoted the land to God. Saints, we have to get rid of our idols. We have to get rid of our idols. What is that idol? Is there an idol that you have that it's just really hard to let go of? You have to get rid of the idol. Then, we have a lot more to go. In Joshua 7, by the way, you know, an idol can just be something that distracts you from the presence of God. It can just be something that distracts you. Your cell phones, your TV. We're spending time with him. Okay, Joshua 7. Okay, what happened? This is in, in Joshua 7, verse 11. What happened was someone had taken some of the devoted things and they stole and they lied. And so when Joshua went up to face the king of Ai, what happened? He was defeated. He was defeated because he stole, he lied, he took something that he wasn't supposed to take. He had an idol. Not Joshua, this other person. Okay? So what did Joshua do? He listened to the Lord. The Lord told him what to do. He confronted the situation. He confronted the situation. He took the bull by the horn, so to speak, and he rooted out the evil. He rooted it out. He got rid of the idol. Okay? 
God cannot honor our wrong choices, but he doesn't stop loving us in the midst of a wrong choice. He can't honor a wrong choice. Darkness can't exist. I mean, light can't exist. He's all light. He can't exist where we make a dark choice. But he never removes his love. Never, ever. He knows how to bring us back into that loving relationship. And we get rid of that dark thing. We get rid of that idol. So say you know that the Lord has delivered you from something and you make a mistake, you bring it back to him. It doesn't mean that you don't have deliverance. It means that the devil's trying to lie to you and tell you that the promise of God in that situation was not true. Okay? So anyways, then, after that, in Joshua 8, after the devoted things, after the thing had been rooted out, so to speak, in Joshua 8, he gave, God gave Joshua this elaborate plan. Please go read it. It would just take like a really long time to go through it. He gave him this plan of ambush. And again, it looked like, oh, we're just going to like fall into the enemy hands again. But you see, the Lord gave Joshua a plan. And what did Joshua do? He followed. Who do we follow? We yield to the Holy Spirit. We yield to the Holy Spirit under the new covenant. Okay? So, God gave Joshua this elaborate plan of ambush, and the king of Ai was defeated. See, the Lord is always speaking to you. He's not trying to keep something from you. He will tell you exactly what you need to do. Remember, he's our rich store, Isaiah 33, 6. He is our rich store of wisdom and knowledge. So when it looks like you are surrounded by the enemy, God has a way out for you. All right? So you will see, when you get into the land of promise, you will still see your enemies raise their ugly heads. They're still below your feet. In the name of Jesus. They're still below your feet. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We just stay in the, in the presence of God. We just stay in the word. We just stay in prayer. Okay? And we do not have to fear what lies ahead. The devil will try to make you think that you're not delivered, but you are. You are. And all you have to do is stand. So, what we need to do, we go in, we, we go into the promised land, we stand firm, we take on the armor, we stand firm regardless of what it looks like. After this, there were many battles, many kings, all of which the Lord helped Joshua defeat. And see, here's the point of that. The enemy will appear as some sort of a king in your life. He will try to make himself look like a king in your life. But guess what? I serve one king. I serve my king Jesus. I don't have to worry when the devil says and comes and tries to tell me he's king in a certain area. I just say, no, you aren't. You were defeated from the beginning. You're no king in my life. I'm a king. I'm seated at the right hand of the Father with Jesus. 
Jesus lived to make intercession for me. Jesus died to bring me into fellowship with my Lord. And nothing you can do is ever going to remove that. Because I'm not going to give in to that. I'm not going to see you as a king. You are my defeated foe. See, God is trying to get us to remove the carnal limitations that we have. We live by the Spirit. We don't live by sight. We don't live by sight in the carnal. Hallelujah. Then on to Joshua 10. There were five Amorite kings that came against the Gibeonites. Okay? And the Gibeonites had made a pact with Joshua for protection. Okay? They had made an agreement with Joshua to be protected. So in verse 10, again, the Lord, not verse 10, chapter 10, verse 8, he says, do not be afraid of them. Okay, this is five kings. Five powerful kings. And then you just say, you're no, you're no king in my territory. You're no king in my land. Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Hallelujah. This is before it was done. See, it's past tense. Do you see that? I have. I have given them. It's past tense before it occurred. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. Remember, he said, everywhere that you set your feet, I have given you. Verse 9 and 10, after an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before the Israelites who defeated them in a great victory at Gibeon. Saints, sometimes you feel like you are in the march of your life. Sometimes you feel like this is never going to end. He says here, an all-night march. Don't you think when he marched all night long that by the time he got there to have to do some fighting, he was like totally exhausted? Do you ever feel totally exhausted? Like you're just not strong enough. You ever feel that way? An all-night march, an all-night trudge. It just went on and on. I'm walking in the dark. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because the Lord is your rear guard. The Lord is a pillar of fire that goes before you. He is your light in shining armor. (laughs) Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Nonetheless, this requires fortitude, saints. It requires fortitude. It requires perseverance. It requires that you never give up. It requires you to stand and enforce, enforce, 
what Jesus has already won for you. This is not for the faint of heart. But I tell you what, when God has given me something, I'm not giving it up. I'm not giving it up. When he promises it to me, I'm believing it. I'm believing it. I'm believing it. Regardless of if it requires an all-night march, or two, or three, or four, or five, and so on, and so on, and so on. Let us, Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. James 1, 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Yes, is that a crown of eternal life? Of course it is. But it is also a crown of life given in what appears to be a death-filled situation. You get that? Life in a broken situation. Jesus is a redeemer, a life giver, a light giver. Verse 11. In verse 11, what happens? Okay, here is the supernatural again of God. He just starts hurling hailstones on him. On the enemy of Joshua. Think about this, saints. Why didn't the hailstones destroy Joshua's army? I think God had a target. An enemy target. Did you ever think about that before? Did you? Yeah, well, maybe you don't want to admit it, but I never did. (laughs) Verses 12 through 14 on the day, this is on the day that Joshua defeated the Amorites with the help of God. Joshua asked the Lord to cause the sun and the moon to stand still. Let me ask you this. Are you brave enough to do that? You got the guts to do that? Do you? You got the guts to say, hey God, I need you to stop that sun, and I need you to stop that moon. I need you to give me more time to accomplish this. Get your nerve up, saints. Get your believers up. Get your supernatural. Believe for the impossible. If God has told you to occupy, tell him what you want. He already knows it anyway. You know, honestly, I guess if Joshua hadn't asked for that, it could have been done another way, but the point is he asked. He asked something that nobody would believe for. He asked something that nobody would believe for. Are you all asleep or what? He asked for something that nobody would believe for. Get your believers on. 
Hallelujah. God fights for me. He already fought for me. He already won it with Jesus. He is my rescue. Hallelujah. You know what? He's your rescue even when you've gotten yourself into a situation that you shouldn't have gotten yourself into. Therefore now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You might have gotten yourself into the situation, and all you have to do is say, you know, Lord, I probably didn't do it your way. I think I messed up here. There, there is there now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you going to believe it or are you not going to believe it? His grace is bigger than your mistakes. His mercy is bigger than your mistakes when you take them back to him. Hallelujah. So scripture says in 14, Joshua 10, 14, this was the day when the Lord listened to a man. He listens to your prayers. Surely God was fighting for Israel. Surely God was fighting for Israel. God listens to our prayers. He fights for us. He's delivered us from the enemy into his very own goodness. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1.3 Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's who you are. That's where you're seated. Now, I have something really good to share. You're going to be so happy about this. Joshua 10, 24 through 25. When they had brought these kings, the five defeated kings, to Joshua, he summoned all the men of Israel and said to the army commanders who had come with him, Come here and put your feet on the necks of these kings. So they came forward and placed their feet on their necks. And being a girl, I was like, Ugh, yuck, that's disgusting. Why would you do that? Take care of it yourself. Look what it goes on to say. 25. Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to all the enemies you are going to fight. Hallelujah, saints. Hallelujah. They're under your feet. It's already done. It's been done. Hallelujah. Thank you. They are under my feet because of Jesus, because of the blood, because of what you did. Every name that opposes the name of Jesus is beneath his name. And his name in my mouth. 
his word in my heart, my faith reaching out, grabbing the divine, believing it in my life. It's my foot on the neck of the enemy. Every place where you trod in the name of Jesus has been given unto thee. Ephesians 1, 19 through 22. And his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same, same, same. No difference. As the mighty strength he, that means God, exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his, that's God's, right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above, far above, far above all rule and authority, power, and dominion, and every name that is invoked. Not only in the present age, so he's saying, yes, it is here in the present age, now, today, for you. The present age, but also in the one to come. That means all time, all eternity. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, eternity. My tomorrows are covered. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him, that's Jesus, to be head over everything for the church. Hallelujah. If Jesus is my head, I don't think I have anything to be concerned about or anxious about. I just, in the name of Jesus, stand on the neck of the enemy. I enforce... I enforce what he's done. Praise be to Jesus. Every enemy under my feet, your feet in the name of Jesus when you take the word of God and stand in faith, are on the neck of the enemy. Hallelujah. So anyway, that's what the Lord would have me share today. I hope that blessed you. Now I'm going to take our offering. I'm going to take our offering. And I'm going to go to Genesis 8:22. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Life is about seed time and harvest. So I pray today as the ushers receive the gifts, receive the tithe, that every seed sown, that you receive a mighty harvest into your life.
I thank you, Lord, for a harvest of blessing. I thank you, Lord, for this seed. I thank you, Lord, that it's planted in good ground. I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that this seed is multiplied unto your service. I thank you, Lord, that this seed is multiplied. Just like the loaves and fishes, Lord God, that administered life and health and provision unto the many. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen and amen. Hallelujah.